Well, hello and welcome to Afternoon Ask Anything. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. We do this thing every weekday, a little bit after your lunch hour. And the reason we wait into this realm is because when we get deeper into the calendar year, we're going to want to make sure that we're steering clear of uh, Penguins skates, Penguins practices, uh, Mike Tomlin press conferences, and so forth, so that we have the most current stuff for you, ideally, uh, to talk about. Uh, Here's how this works. Just jump in there and ask a question. Uh, whatever it is that you have, send a comment, send a criticism. I, I I don't care. Just just come on in. And let's see what we got here. Callie uh, asks, over, under on Pirates win this, wins this year. I, I went with 73 uh, on one of my Daily Shot podcasts. Um, I don't care is the more appropriate answer. The win total for this team doesn't really matter except how it reflects individual improvement along the way. You know, if if the Pirates have a horrendous record and Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds and some other guys really ascend into something, you're okay with it, you know, especially if it's if it's uh pitchers, you know. Corey asks if that's a Turn ahead the clock jersey behind me. Yes, it is. That's from uh, 1999. They only wore it once. The Pirates did mercifully uh, at Three River Stadium. Chris Benson was pitching that day, and I was there. Don't ask me how I remember who was pitching that day. Lots of baseball today. Brian asks, does Newman start over Gonzalez? Yes! All he's done this spring is hit 700-plus. Now, granted, Gonzalez is hitting 400-plus himself. But uh, I have said and actually reported all along that it was Kevin Newman's job to lose, and that's you know that's where this is headed. Um, but that said, I think you're going to see Eric Gonzalez rotate in and out of three different positions uh, more often than you would a normal backup infielder because he can back up at third, short, and second, and I think you'll see him there a lot. David asks, has Chris Letang played better than he's currently playing? He seems to be in rare air these days. Uh, he has. He has. Believe it or not, as as efficient and dedicated and everything else as, as Tangers looked in the defensive zone, he has not been uh, super Corsi friendly. And I'm always careful now with hockey's advanced analytics to not completely trust what my eyes are telling me. So while I I see a lot of things that I like from him, especially in his own end, uh, and especially on the PK, wow, has he been good shorthanded. I still want to make sure that I'm checking the metrics, not that they're gospel or that what I'm seeing with my eyes is gospel. I just kind of like to cross-reference there. So I feel obligated to, to, to bring that up as well. Looking to see if we got any Steelers here. It doesn't appear that we do just yet. What's up with that? I know they haven't been in the news much lately, but feel free to uh, ask football or ask any sport, always. I I don't consider anything ever to be in season uh, or out of season here. Ken asks, I've heard you address trading for a possible third-line center before the deadline. Who do you envision Hextall slash Burke trading for, and what do the Penguins have to give? The first question is impossible to answer. I know that these people who are the you know uh, 
either self-described insiders or even the legit insiders love to name drop because name drop gets people's attention. Fact is, unless you know for sure that a player is available, meaning that's just become known, not rumored or whatever else, but known, you're really wasting everybody's time with it. Uh, I had mentioned Eric Stahl a few times, if that's what you're referring to, but that's because it was immensely known that he was available and he was a match, and I know for a fact that the Penguins have liked him. He's in Montreal now. Uh, I look at a player like, this is not a suggestion, but a player like Adam Lowry in Winnipeg and say, now that's someone who would be uh, a fit here, but there has to be a match. Who would the Penguins be giving up? Uh, They'd be giving up a left-handed defenseman, probably Marcus Pedersen. So when I look at Winnipeg and I see a team that has pretty much everything that you'd want except a solid NHL defense, you have a potential match, but again, that's just, you know, that's just making something up here. Uh, Andrew Henning asks, Artemi Anisimov is on waivers. Any chance they clear cap space by trading Pedersen to pick him up? Um, no, no, that, that actually, there's nothing about that that would make sense. Sorry, I'm not being mean. It just doesn't here. Uh, Phil asks, what's the time frame? for O'Neill Cruz to arrive in Pittsburgh. You know what? If O'Neill Cruz hits the ball the way he's supposed to, time frame could be any time he's ready. Uh, he's in that category. He, all, all he has to do with that ridiculous power of his is show that he can make consistent contact, uh, work the count deep consistently, get on base consistently. From there, yeah, it's going to be complicated to find a position for him and everything else. Uh, or playing time, but he he could be up. Uh, to me, worst case scenario is that he's a September call up, unless he just totally, you know, just just falls apart or something. Here, there's a Steeler question from Jeremy, who asks DK with Tyson Alualu back. I feel a ton more comfortable with the middle of this defense. With Devin Bush back, I feel much better with Robert Spillane filling in for Vince Williams. Do you agree? Well, I mean, am I going to agree that? having Devin Bush back is a good thing, isn't exactly asking me to take a courageous stand. Uh, actually, same is true of the Alualu thing. I feel a lot more comfortable with the middle of this defense overall. Pulling Alualu out of that equation was Jenga-style devastation because they had no answer for it. They had no internal answer for it other than reteaching or retraining Carlos Davis or Isaiah Bugs to play positions that they'd never had, or worse, I would argue, having the defense adjust and say, listen, we're just going to have Cam and Steph out there until they drop or until they get hurt. Um, it's still not it's still not ideal. And by that I'm referencing specifically the right cornerback position. I just I just don't know where that's headed. Names asks, over the length of Sidney Crosby's career, why haven't any big-name wingers signed to play with him? I, well, it's not the NBA. That's my first thought to your question, uh, where you just pick and choose where you want to go and say, oh, oh, I am 
Dwayne Wade and I want to play with LeBron or the other way around. Um, we have not seen that happen hardly at all in hockey where someone says, I want to be with that star player. Um, Sid has had big name wingers, but not, not many. I mean, let's not forget Marion Hosa was with him and, and Hosa, you know, turned out to be one of the, the better wingers of his generation. Uh, didn't last very long, but it was there. Uh, otherwise, though, if you think about Sid's style, Sid is always going to need a grinder type. He's going to need wingers who trail him around the boards. That's why he's always done well with Pascal Dupuis types and Chris Kunitz, uh, because they play the game with him. That's why Jake is, in my estimation, and this is with respect to the one year that Sid and Hosa had together, Jake is the best fit Sid's ever had because Jake can do both. Jake can go to the middle. Uh, Jake can go to the net front. Jake can read off of Sid in multiple different ways, but he also can play that game along the boards, and that's really what you need to do uh, more than anything else. Wes uh, asks, why is Mike Sullivan so much against using Yuso Ricola? Why not trade him if they won't use him? I mean, we've been asking that for years now, Wes. You know, and the, I think the better question at this point is asking Ricola why he keeps signing here. I mean, other than the fact that it's a pretty easy paycheck, you know, I mean, I'm only being half facetious. Uh, he's got no chance to play here. Uh, he and and he came back again, even though it had already been pretty clear that this team had a significant depth. Meaning, once uh, the Mike Matheson trade happened, it just it. The whole thing doesn't make any sense. Mike asks, uh, thoughts on Justin Champagny declaring for the NBA draft? Well, he didn't really do that. I mean, he declared that he is going to test the process. He's going to go through the process. Uh, that's different. Um, right now, the Pitt program is just such a shambles under under Jeff Capel. Uh, I know there are people who follow the Panthers closely who insist that this is just the new real the, the the new thing in the in the NCA the transfer portal and everything. But I'm sorry when you're losing that many guys that quickly. Um, no, just 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 no here. Chad asks, "What's up, DK? Are you buying or selling Zucker? Having a bounce back performance the rest of the season? It depends on where they put him, Chad." You know, I mean, it depends on how quickly everybody else gets healthy and how he gets aligned. Uh, Zucker has shown the capability, uh, not just in Pittsburgh, but but back in Minnesota as well, of being able to go up and down your lines. To me, if you just snapped your fingers right now and everyone was healthy, my second line left winger, meaning next to Evgeny Malkin, would be Jared McCann. McCann's just doing too many good things right now to leave him out of your top six. And from there, I keep saying this, even though Stahl has been traded to Montreal, but you get yourself a third-line center and you create a third scoring line or you try to create a third scoring line because the whole fourth-line plugger thing, I, I, you know, that's, that's pretty 80s. You know, it, it, there's not a whole lot of that that goes on. Mark asks, there are 80-plus colleges right now. Uh, oh, he doesn't ask. He's telling. There are 80-plus colleges right now with five or more transfers. Unfortunately, Pitt is going through what a ton of schools are. Mark, if that makes you feel better, 
Good for you. The fact of the matter is, is that five pit players under Jeff Capel decided that they no longer want to play for Jeff Capel. There's there's not any sugarcoating that. There's not any contextualizing or whataboutism to attach to that. Something is wrong. Dan asks, do the Steelers have a plan for center? Uh, also, any word on a possible Jesse James uh, reunion? And there's nothing, been nothing about James actually since since uh, he was released by the Lions. Uh, the Steelers' plan for center, by all appearances, is to go with B.J. Finney as the starter and to use J.C. Hasnauer as the backup. Uh, the fact that some of that has emanated from inside the Steelers leads me to believe that that's how they're thinking. But we'll see. Um, if nothing else, the center position is one that you know for sure that they would have talked to Ben about. There's just way too much that happens between those two positions, and it can be critical, as we remember from the Cleveland game. Uh, ben would want somebody there that he knows and trusts, uh, and even though Finney hasn't played the position a ton, Ben would know that he can trust him. Uh, this the Steelers, including the head coach of the Steelers, love Finney. It was a mystery to a lot of people that they ever let him walk away. But again, it wasn't necessarily about his uh, his play at center. Billy Harris tries an NBA question on me here. Since you mentioned the NBA, who would you say is the greatest basketball player of all time? The last time I was paying attention to the NBA, it was Michael Jordan. These days, I am told that there is a Serb who is the best player in basketball, and that's actually really cool. Uh, he plays in Denver. I can't remember his name, but he is a Serb, and he is the best basketball player on the planet. If anybody knows his name, I'll, I'll put it up here on the screen. Uh, but I'm happy to say that the Serbs are, I mean, per capita, by far the best basketball-playing nation on the planet. I mean, per capita, it isn't even there. There isn't even a contest. Yeah, Michael says Jokic. Yeah, Nikola Jokic is his name. I remember now. Nikola Jokic. He plays for uh, the Denver team out there. Now, now I'm gonna. What's the Denver team called? I don't know. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I love basketball. Um, I loved when the JB Dixon program at Pitt was at its heights. I enjoyed covering those games in that atmosphere at the Pete as much as anything I've done in this job. I've covered extensive basketball to the international level, Olympics, um, and I don't have anything against the NBA at all. My issue is time. I don't have time in the day to invest everything that I do into the three local teams and their corresponding leagues that I do and then say at the end of the night, you know what, I'm just going to put some NBA on. So it's just not, I'm just not there. Eric asks, how do you get Gino and others to buy in when they come back? Or is that asking too much? You know what? This one requires a passionate answer. So I'm going to take a sip of coffee here. Give me a break. Eric, let's not fall for this repeat narrative. Gino doesn't have to buy in to something he was already doing. Um, we're going to see and hear and read more of this kind of stuff <clears throat> in the coming 
couple of weeks if the Penguins' current guys continue to play well. It's going to be, oh, the system this and the system that. And I, and I wrote about Mike Sullivan uh, and his impact on newly arrived minor leaguers or call-ups uh, in the column today. And it's very much worthy of applause. It's, it's, it's a real feather in the cap of the head coach and everyone involved that this thing happens regularly. But this idea that Gino is some renegade who was doing everything counter to the coach's wishes, and when he comes back, he's going to screw it all up, is absurd. Did you see how Gino was playing before he got hurt? Okay, It wasn't just at the offensive end. He was going over all 200 feet. I mentioned the advanced analytics earlier. Those will back me up on this. He was flying all over the defensive zone. So I, I, I really, I'm going to get a little defensive when that subject comes up. Dave James asks, will the Pirates give David Bednar a chance at being closer? His stuff looks awesome. How about his poise, Dave? Um, yeah, he's putting the fastball in there, 97 miles an hour. He's also getting fall-off-the-table stuff uh, with his off-speed workings. And he also looks comfortable out there. He looks like he's in command, and poise is a big, big part of that role. Would I throw him directly into it? No. What I would do is more of a uh, like a hybrid thing at closer. Say... You don't really declare a closer, but you say, we're going to go with certain matchups. You're going to go with, uh, you know, we feel like his stuff plays better against this particular team or in this ballpark or whatever. Start out with Richard Rodriguez, mix in Kyle Crick, but get Bednar involved. Because if you don't have one closer, as many a manager has said, then you don't have a closer. You're not going to pull it off. A closer by committee has worked exactly nowhere. Curtis asks to the Steelers, take a running back in the first round of the draft. Uh, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Because I believe that with the, the depth at offensive tackle in this draft, that the Steelers can still get themselves a tackle in the second round, a really good tackle, and then not have to rush that player or bump Zach Banner or Chooksakora for for this individual. I think it's just not that you want to draft in the first two rounds by what your team configuration is for the coming season, but running back is the need right now. I'm taking the best running back that I can, and I'm not going to gamble like they did with Le'Veon Bell, that he, who, who they had a first-round tag on, that he's going to be there in the second round. I don't think this is going to be uh, that year. Let me see what else we got here. Scrolling around. Matt asks, does uh, Tyson signing change the draft? Uh, were you expecting them to draft DT at 2, 3, or 4? That's now free. I, I think so. I think it does change the draft. I, I think you, you had to look at something defensive line. Uh, certainly not nose tackle, but I think you had to look at something. And if you think about you know recently when they, they took uh, – recently it was – four years ago where they took Javon Hargrave uh, in the third round and they 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 knew what they were getting. He was a penetrating type uh, 
nose tackle. He wasn't an old-school Casey Hampton type. Uh, so there was a value placed on it then, and I think you would have seen something like that come into the equation now. Now, that said, Tyson's 34 years old. You know, uh, it's not like it wouldn't still be a need. Uh, a. Gilman asks, do you subscribe to the idea that the Penguins need to get bigger to compete? Well, compete isn't the word I think you want to use here. I mean, when you're performing as well as they are and where you're where they are in the standings, they can compete. Uh, the bigger issue is contending through the, a tournament that requires you to win 16 games in four series in succession. If you are a smaller team, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get bruised and you're going to get injured. Um, let's not rewrite history here on a couple of fronts. One is that the 2017 team got the snot beat out of it. <laughs> okay. I mean, they went into the final uh, not just limping, but crawling on all fours with the injuries that they had, uh, including some of the guys who were playing. I'd find out after I found out after the fact. The players that were playing with really significant injuries, broken ribs, broken bones, cracked wrist. They just said, we're just going to play through it. It's the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I don't want to say they got lucky. I'll never say that about a champion. Uh, but their, let's just say that their path was the one of the greatest resistance. Uh, it helps to have size. That hasn't changed. What you don't want to do is get size for size's sake. You still need to have guys who play. The other thing is, and, and Brian Burke himself uh, brought this up uh, with, with our site just last week. He said that uh, when's the last time the Penguins had, or I'm sorry, when's the last time any team won with a smaller roster? And he said the answer is 2016 and 2017, and it was Pittsburgh. And he's right, because if you think about it, immediately after that, who won? Washington, with all those big bashing bodies and everything. And since then, what, St. Louis, uh, Tampa's a bigger team. So I can see it. I, I think it's a, I, I think it's a fair, fair point. Dave asks, why does everyone seem to be down on Travis Etienne to the Steelers? Seems like it's Najee Harris or Bust. Uh, boy, I don't know what you're seeing, uh, but you're talking to somebody who would rather have Travis Etienne. Uh, I, I love what he can do out of the backfield in terms of catching passes and then exploding off the ball. Give me that player with Ben Roethlisberger all day over a pure running back. By the way, Ben would like him better too, and don't think that that's not uh, a thing. It, it very much matters. Yeah, Billy chimes in. Both look like they're going to be really good uh, NFL running backs, and they will. Let's see what else we have here. Sometimes I go through these a little too quickly, and I skip past good questions. One gentleman uh, emailed me last week. He was he was angry. I skipped his question. And he said, "I I thought I asked you a good question." And I'm like, "I'm sure you did." There's a lot of them that are coming in right now. Here's a long one for Mike. Mike just wrote a novel. Look at this thing. Uh, I'll see if I can condense it. What is the NHL going to do with the playoff format? Are they going to stay with the traditional two two one one one, or do they go two three two? Let the higher seed. Wow, I, dude, I have no idea. I have no idea. 
and he answers here as the Canadian government said they will allow travel back and forth. I have no idea. Um, that's probably a, a Google search away on your part here. Richard asks, what are the odds that Major League Baseball moves the All-Star game out of Georgia? Uh, let's see. I, I don't want to get into politics here, but let's see how that situation plays out because I've seen on one hand that people are saying boycott Georgia, boycott Georgia, and now I'm seeing some really influential people on the other side of the aisle saying don't boycott Georgia. All you'll do is hurt the workers. Let's see how that plays out before we start worrying about how uh, it might or might not affect sports. Randy asks, how many players do you think the average Pirates fan can name from the opening day lineup? How are we defining fan, Randy? You know, uh, I'm not one to wag fingers in people's faces over whether they are or they are not a fan of something. But to me, if you walk into PNC Park on April 8th and they announce this lineup, this this lineup that they're going to have, and you haven't heard of Adam Frazier, Brian Reynolds, Kevin Newman, Colin Moran, Gregory Polanco, who's been here for a long time, Jacob Stallings, who's the best defensive catcher in baseball, uh, Brian Hayes. I knew I was missing somebody super obvious. The only player who would be announced as part of the starting lineup that I could see people maybe scratching their heads a little bit would be Anthony Alford, the center fielder. That's it. That's it. To me, if you're a fan of the team and you you, you don't know who those other seven guys are out of your everyday eight, then you just literally aren't paying attention to the team. Anthony Alford was with the Pirates last season too, but obviously only for the six games before he messed up his elbow. Uh, in the wall, into the wall at PNC Park. Yeah, Mike says, then you're not a fan. Well, I mean, you said that, not me. Uh, Names asks, does Tomlin need to discipline Juju for dancing on the field during the Browns loss? I don't even know what you're talking about, but that sounds like you want to be taking that question to other forums in Pittsburgh. That, that crap just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, in one direction or the other. We're here to talk, hopefully, to talk sports, real stuff. Uh, Billy says, what do you think about the Steelers reportedly signing Rashad, Rashad Coward? I, again, don't know what you're referencing. If you have something to, like this to say, I'm going to need some kind of backing for this. If that isn't on our site, uh, then I haven't seen it. Gary says the Pirates All-Star this year won't be a someone who had to make it from the Pirates guy. <laughs> True or false bonus point, too. Um, I, I really think we're at the point already where the rest of the baseball world is aware of Kibrian Hayes. Um, not that they're you know going to place him in some instant stratosphere. <clears throat> Excuse me, but baseball pays more attention, I think, to its prospect world than other sports do. And as as such, when a player like Hayes comes along and has the impact that he did, and he's where he is on the prospect list, it's a lot like I remember uh, 
the first time we went into Colorado and, and Clint Hurdle and, and some of the pirates were talking about Nolan Arenado whenever he was just up and it was just like they'd already known everything about him and he had just arrived onto the scene in Denver. Uh, I, I think Brian Hayes is going to make it on merit and there won't be anybody at all uh, who questions it. Billy says Bleacher Report is reporting that they're going to be signing. Yeah, Bleacher Report doesn't report. Bleacher Report is an aggregator. So if if there's a if aggregating mean they is that they they collect other people's reports. So that wouldn't be where the report would be originating. Um, let's take a couple more here today. Hopefully they're not assigned to Bleacher Report reporting things that they don't actually report. Wes asks, do you think Latang or Gino finish their career somewhere else but sign a one-day contract to officially retire? <laughs> and here we go. We're going flower on them already. And will Yager and Flower sign a one-day contract to officially retire from hockey? I, I don't believe so. Um, tell me when's the last time you saw that happen in hockey. Uh, we've seen it in we've seen it in football uh, and we've seen it it's ceremonially in baseball, but I, I, I don't. I, that's not something that's common in hockey. If someone like I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but if someone like Raymond Bork didn't do it with Boston when he went and he spent just that final year uh, with the Avalanche just to win the Stanley Cup, but he had spent the other 20 years of his career with the Bruins, then you're not going to see something like that happen. Um, you know, your time with your team is that time. You know, notice that Flower is just now a part of the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, the world didn't come to an end, and he's become a really, really big deal in Las Vegas. So arguably the, the biggest deal. Billy says, Ian Rappaport. Well, that's not helping the case either, but I won't go there. <laughs> David says, I heard Coward's wife broke the news on Xbox. Now, see, now we're getting somewhere here. Let's close it out with this one from Wes, who, who asks, if Mario didn't retire, have multiple health issues, would he have passed any of Gretzky's records? In my opinion, Mario was far superior. That is also uh, my opinion. Uh, the second part, Mario was the superior talent. You know who else's opinion it was? Gretzky's. If you read between the lines of a lot of the things that Gretzky has said when it comes down to the Mario versus Wayne, Mario versus Wayne thing, uh, Gretzky has acknowledged that Lemieux did things on the rink that he couldn't do. Now, Mario has gracefully said back, you know, well, yeah, Wayne had the greatest vision of all time. Wayne had the ability to slow down, but, but, but Mario had all of that too. Uh, Mario is the greatest, most complete, most talented hockey player who ever lived. That said, the answer to your first question for me is no. If Mario didn't retire or have multiple health, health issues, would he have passed any of Gretzky's records? My answer is no, and that's because of the unbelievable head start that Gretzky was able to have over him because as soon as he joined uh, the NHL out of the WHA as a 19-year-old, he goes to Edmonton and he's almost immediately surrounded by just this entire Hall of Fame wing. You know, the Yari Curry, Mark Messier, Paul Coffey, Glenn Anderson. Uh, I'm leaving out at least six or seven other guys 
that were in the superstar category, he could pile up mega points on a nightly basis. Mario needed five years just to play his first playoff game in Pittsburgh. Mario came in and joined a team that had been 16, 58, and 6 the year before. So it was going to take him, it was going to take him longer, uh, without a question. And my friend Diana jumps in and says, Gretzky had all that talent with him for years. Yeah, that's Mario did get it eventually. Mario ended up with his own Hall of Fame wing. I'll take the 93 Penguins, not the ones that won, but the 93 Penguins, and match their Hall of Fame talent with uh, any in modern NHL history. My point is that it took Mario way too long to get that uh, around him. All right, last one today. Because it's opening week for baseball, we'll take baseball. And that is from Critter, who asks, I agree with you that Adam Frazier won't be traded. Do you believe this would be a make-or-break year for Tucker? Nah, make-or-break's too too strong for a guy who has almost or such minimal amount of service time because he still has a chance to get right, and he'll still get an opportunity uh, the way we're seeing now from Alfred. You know, he's Anthony Alford's not a kid anymore. He's not a prospect anymore. But he doesn't have much service time, which means a team can have six years of control once he's there. I, I wouldn't write him off there. By the way, I did not say that Adam Frazier won't be traded. I said, what if he isn't? Uh, I don't know that, that, that he will or won't. I just think that right now, because Tucker didn't rise up this spring, the Pirates are keeping the three best uh, middle infielders. And uh, that's all the time we have for today. Man, these things fly so fast. And then I'm, and I'm getting the, hey, you got to end this. You got to end this thing. All right. Well, they're supposed to be like a half hour long, and, and we're a little bit over that right now. So thanks to everybody for participating today. Again, I'll be headed tonight to PPG Paints Arena, Penguins versus Islanders. Uh, if you aren't already, please give a listen to the daily shot podcasts that I, that I do. They're available to you first thing every morning. They're fresh. They always reflect whatever it was that happened the night before. They include sound from the locker rooms and all that other stuff. Uh, they're a lot of fun more than anything else. And they come in, there's one each on the individual teams that we cover. There's a daily shot of Steelers, one of Penguins and one of Pirates. Uh, find out why, why there's all the fuss. So, <laughs> all right, guys, let's do this again tomorrow. Thanks.